Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com Well, here we are. Uh, it is hotter than hell outside, and no better time than to talk about a little hockey than uh, than right now when it's going to be 147 degrees outside. The Last Minute Blues Podcast, the summertime edition of the show. You've got myself, Donnie Fandango, Jamie River. Gentlemen, what's going on? It is hot as hell. It out is, there. my goodness, like 10 something, right? The yeah. feels like at 10 7, too much. At 7:30 this morning, <laughs> it was it was like offensive and oppressive. Like that, you know, two one four, of the 245 this morning, my car said uh 79 degrees or something just disgusting like that. It's it's one of those days and I love living here and I do. But it's one of those days where I go, hmm. Of all the places that I could have chosen to live, I got to live somewhere where it's hotter than the face of the sun. That's yeah, nice. Well, I'm from Canada, right? Oh, so God. you try to get used to this, and it's taken me 20 some years at that point. Because in Canada, like your nighttime, you can go hoodie even. It's beautiful, like 85 during the day, sunny. At night, drops down to like, you know, maybe high 60s, you know, a little campfire, you're fine. Wake up in the morning, walk the dog, maybe a little zip up. (laughs) Everything's great. I get up in the morning here at like 6.30 this morning, let my dog out. I got hit in the face as I opened the patio door by just like a hot mist. Yeah, Yeah, you know what? It it reminds me of Vegas. It's like somebody has a a hairdryer and just pushing it in the face. Right, man, 100%. It's just like hot air just coming at you. You go to Vegas to get a hairdryer put in your face. Yes, I do. I do. (laughs) It's always something weird with them, dude. It's always something weird. Just just ask. ask. I'll bring one in next time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have to say this to, I have to say this to Jamie. This is embarrassing to say, but it's, but it's too good to not. Uh, During the parade, I was, you're talking about the Mardi Gras parade, the, the, right? Right. <laughs> During the, the Blues Championship Parade, I was at Broadway, and uh, I was right by the Hilton there at the ballpark. And I was about 10 people back, all right? Enjoying the parade, loving every second of it. I saw you, oh, and boy. for some reason, I start yelling your name like you're going to friggin' hear me under the thousands <laughs> of thousands of I didn't of hear people. you? No, dude. And so at some point, as you guys like kind of turn the corner, I go, 
You moron. There's no way he could possibly even remotely hear you. I was just so excited to know somebody in that parade that would know my name. I just didn't know how to. I didn't know how to respond. Validate me. Now, how Validate far down me. the route were you at that? Like, uh, I mean, we were pretty. We, I, I was pretty far down because it was making the left turn to go towards oh, okay. the arch ground. So okay. we were so a by that point, down. I may have been uh, blacked out. <laughs> now, Remember how you said you were enjoying the parade? Yes. Jamie was enjoying it more. Right, dude. Right. At one point, I had a beer in one hand, a bottle of champagne in the other, and a stogie too. Oh. The only reason I know that is because that's a Jamie Rivers hat trick. (laughs) That's what we call the Rivers hat trick. Now, when I saw you, you had a stogie, for sure. It was like, I'm pretty sure it was a stogie and a beer situation, and you looked like you were in Vancouver. Like, like you did. It was fantastic. Now, you did, although it wasn't Mardi Gras, it didn't stop Donnie. I do remember you trying to show your boobs. Yeah, yeah. he does. I I didn't hear him, but I saw him. The man's man's areolas are amazing. It's any day that ends in Y, man. Sometimes. I just like to get him out. You can't from, blame me for that. From a standpoint of a guy who used to just be in the trenches all the time, how amazing was that? Uh, that was incredible, guys. Like, honestly, I, I try to explain it, but it's it was surreal. It was like an out-of-body experience to see. Like, we, we started on 18th, right in front of Union Station, where you go into park, you know. And we could hear a rumble. And that day was kind of raining a little bit. So you're like, oh, darn it, maybe... Thunder is going to come back, and it's going to suck, you know, because it was a big moment. But as we turned on the market, the rumble was the fans. Mm. And it looked down, and it was just a sea of blue. And people were partying and losing their minds. And, like, I got chills up and down my body. And at that point, I looked at Cam Jansen, um, and we were kind of like, holy crap, together. And I just, I remember, I don't know why I said this, but I looked at him and said, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> Obviously a Wizard of Oz reference for anybody who may not know that. I wasn't that drunk at the time. But at the then, as soon as we saw all the people, I remember going, how much beer do we have? And we popped open the, clear, the coolers because I'm like, this is going to be epic. Yeah. And then we waited a little while and we broke out the champagne, sprayed the crowd. And I was like, I wanted to, you know, we're not part of the players who won it. We're former players, but at the same time, I felt like we owed it to the fans to celebrate with them, too, for all the years that we didn't do it. (laughs) Here you go. Here's some champagne. Enjoy this. It's amazing. What I think, uh, I don't know if you told me this in person or if I saw this on on your social media. Somebody asked about the jersey you were wearing. Yes, sir. Explain what happened there. Somebody said something about, oh, wow, where can I get one of those jerseys, right? Something something to that effect? Well, it's a collector's item, first of all. Hockey Hall of Fame had Uh to, uh, I had to get permission to get the Rivers jersey out of the Hockey Hall of Fame. (laughs) It's a joke. But uh, (laughs) no, I I had a couple of jerseys, and, you know, the alumni wanted us to wear jerseys. And there had been talk of planning to make some jerseys, and everybody's like, no, we're not going to do that because, you know, that's just a jinx the team. We're not going to get special jerseys made. So the word was bring whatever you have from your playing days. If you have one from your era, bring that one. Well, I had two of them because of two tours of duty here with the Blues. One was in the 90s and one was in the mid-2000s. Number six and number 20. If yeah, I remember. exactly. I brought both those jerseys. And uh, so then I, I made the conscious decision because I, if anybody knows me well enough, I'm not a fan of the 90s away jerseys with mm-hmm. all the red. Yeah, the red stripes and going I, sideways. Like, and yeah, at that point I knew we were going to, like, we're going to get lit up. Like, there's going to be some beer. There's going to be some stuff. 
So I was willing, out of the two jerseys, I'm willing to sacrifice that jersey. <laughs> yeah. So that one got covered in, in beer and champagne and, and stuff like that. What but, I love about the the story is, is, oh, man, what a classic Rivers jersey. Where can I get that? And he's like, this was my actual jersey oh. that I used to wear. Oh, yeah, it was. Ac- it, yeah, was. Oh, yeah. it was the actual jersey from back in the day. The actual jersey. This is just, I mean, I have a Rivers jersey hanging in my, my closet. It's not game worn. Is your... Game worn jersey just hanging in. Jamie's I actually closet? have like you know from almost every team. Well, actually every team I have the jerseys just in my closet that's hanging there. So I mean, funny. I have my very actually that's not true. My second jersey I got with the Blues when we changed the color scheme to kind of what it is now when we switched it and it was so cool to do that. Mm-hmm. That jersey um, is in a frame and I had that put up in in the basement, or whatever. But every other jersey is sitting on a hanger in my so weird closet. Think. It's amazing to me in this run how that look, that striped red-blue look kind of came back. Like, I saw it in a lot of places, and I remember thinking, none of y'all people liked this for real yeah, when it was new. There's man. a reason why this isn't currently being used. I remember yeah. those well, I never ca- understood the red. I, yeah. Me neither, man. Well, somebody help me. And I remember yeah. seeing the press conference for that, and I, I think it was Brendan Shanahan that might have been one of the ones, and I remember going... I love that that player, but I hate that freaking jersey, man. <laughs> yeah. Now the I just home never ones weren't it. bad. The home ones had um, they, they were uh, excuse me, white with the blue diagonal, yeah, around, yeah. And, and a little bit of red, like a couple of stripes, little pinstripes. And I was like, well, that's a pretty cool look. And you know, we played those, we wore those ones at home because at the time you wore white at home, right? Yeah. Well, then you know, get on the road and you had these red, predominantly red jerseys, and you're the St. Louis Blues, and it's kind of. It looked a little clownish to yeah, me. Yeah, it did. Most guys, 99% of the guys, didn't enjoy that jersey. And I always right. think of that as the Gretzky, Gretzky era yeah, jersey same. as well. Well, you know how I said 99 Yeah, that's yes. what made me think of it. Well done. I was actually yeah. trying to help you there, Jeff. Thanks, buddy. Underhand pitch. Well, so <laughs> we are we are here in this offseason. Uh, free agent signings have happened. The Blues have made a couple of moves. Pat Maroon's still out there. But – as you're as we're kind of looking at this right now, looking towards the 2019-2020 season, I know the Blues signed Sammy Blay again. Um, can you talk a little bit, Jamie, about what the Blues have done so far uh, as far as looking towards next season? Yeah, Carl Gunnarsson was a big signing, and mm-hmm. uh, you know I don't know if we had a chance. I can't remember last time we spoke, but Carl Gunnarsson. Uh, to me, is you know a two point five three million dollar defenseman, especially after winning the Stanley Cup, being a big part of it. Yeah, and he signs for what one point five or one point seven here at the Blues for mm-hmm. two years. I mean, it's an incredible deal for the St. Louis Blues. And you know, we talked about the vanilla ice cream, yeah. right? Yeah, this guy is like the Mac Daddy, the best vanilla ice cream out there, and and we got him at half price. So it makes him because even we tastier. were speculating it makes it so much better. Yeah. I thought oh we gosh. were speculating that he could get three, four years. I didn't think he'd be re-signed here. Yeah. And not because he didn't want to be here, not because the Blues didn't like him, not because we didn't love him. It's just money. Yeah. And the salary cap and all the restricted free agents. And, you know, so they got that deal done, and I was in shock and talked to Gunnarsson, and he was thrilled. What's, it, what's his number again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll send that to you. Okay, Never. I appreciate that. Um, but, Never. yeah, he was really happy to get another couple of years here, and he loves uh, the environment. And that's the big thing is when you're signing these guys and – whether it's your current roster, the guys that could potentially leave, or unrestricted free agents looking to maybe come to St. Louis, the culture that you've created now, like everybody, it was all eyeballs on St. Louis in the final, and Boston, of course, but being that the Blues won, a little more spotlight. And every guy around the league saw a great coach, 
with a great environment, a great culture, a great team, a team that's set up for a couple of years to come, and we'll get into some of those restricted free agents and that in a little bit. They saw a city that loves her hockey team. They saw TV ratings that were through the roof. They see merchandise that's broken records. They yeah. saw a parade that was off the charts. Those are selling points. So if your contract is up, you're Carl Gunnarsson, you're going, I kind of like that. I right. want to stay here even if it's a little bit of the uh, the hometown discount. It, 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 from a standpoint of hockey players are some of the most uh, superstitious people or athletes in the entire world, Does it? would it ever play into your mind that, oh, man, who's going to win back-to-back? If I come back here, I'm not going to win another championship. No, you're year. always thinking that we're going to I guess win. in your mind, you know you're always going to win. You always want to win, yeah. and you always think that this could be the team. Like next year, like every year I went to training camp, there's not one time we went to train. Well, maybe one time went to training camp where we're like, "There's no chance we're winning the cup this year." <laughs> right. But every other time, you're like, "Yeah, this team's got a shot." Like, look at us. You know, we're pretty deep. You know. And then you look at the rosters that win. You're like, "Yeah, we weren't close." But every guy thinks they're going to win it every year. So the the you, you know you say the Blues are set up for the next couple of years, and by all accounts, it looks like they are. How do you avoid what has happened in Chicago? Maybe it's to a certain extent in Pittsburgh, not as much in Pittsburgh because there hasn't been the fall off. But how in the hell do you manage that salary cap so that you are able to have a little bit of flexibility while still having O'Reilly and Tarasenko and and all the contracts in which that that you have? That's I mean, that's going to be seemingly the biggest challenge for Doug Armstrong from here on out. Right. Yeah. Like three seasons from now. okay. so so two more seasons, this one coming up in the next season, we're going to be great as far as contract and salary cap status goes. Uh, We run into a little bit of a roadblock with Braden Shen. You know, he's going to want like seven or eight million, especially when guys who are scoring less points and less valuable or signing seven million dollar deals he's like sitting there going keep getting the money boys right. how soon is he going to need that when is his contract up? Do we know he's got one more season okay yeah. so after next season is when you're saying he's going to say hey pay me correct now in doing that you can also say okay by that point robert thomas might be able to slot into center on the second line and yes we'll lose some grit and some leadership but we got a guy who potentially could put up the same numbers maybe more so you're kind of okay there Alex Petrangelo is two seasons from now, and you're looking at that going, Woof, what will he get out there? Mm-hmm. Tyler Myers, who's an average defenseman, is getting six, seven million. Petro's going to, his starting point's going to be nine. So, to answer your question without going through the entire roster, right. guys, right now, this season and next season, I think the Blues can be under the salary cap and competitive. Your top two dogs right now, O'Reilly and Tarasenko, are both at like seven and a half million which is peanuts compared to what some guys are signing for the 11 and $12 million mm-hmm. deals. The Blues don't have that obstacle yet because they got good contracts with these guys. Two years from now, it's going to start to suck. We'll see where the salary cap goes as far as how high it goes. Uh, if it stays close, then, yeah, some of these young guys, Sammy Plays, Robert Thomas, the Jordan Kairos, a lot's going to be expected uh, out of these young players. Well, And just to follow up real quick, Jeff, before I, I didn't mean to, to jump you, but uh, Sammy Blay what is his, how do you view his role go, going forward? Because he kind of definitely seemed to be a fringe guy that all of a sudden towards the end of the year just made this, you know, really important impact. Not that we didn't know of him, but it just seemed like he was a guy and went from being a guy to a guy that we really maybe won in that 12 every night, right? I think you do. Uh, this is a guy that was a goal scorer predominantly in, in junior hockey and even the American Hockey League. He was putting up numbers. 
now to stay in the NHL. He changed his role a little bit, and we saw how you know much he, he got out there and was physical and was in guys' faces and played that role. But we also saw, saw him score a couple of goals. We're like, wow, this guy can you know maybe put the puck in the net, especially like that breakaway on Ben Bishop where he comes in and just rips a slap shot yeah. over his shoulder. Like, that's not by accident. This guy can do this. So I think his role uh, will increase. Now, does he slot in next year where Pat Maroon was? That's, you know, Pat Maroon's up in the air, and I know we're going to get to him yeah. in a minute. Uh, but, you know, Sammy Blake can bring that kind of game to the to the team. He can play that cycle game. He can play that physical game. He'll go to the net. He's got the goal-scoring touch. And you're getting him at 850000 right now, which is a bargain. So I think, you know, the upside of the ceiling for that player is really high. So I think we expectations should be high for Sammy Blake. And Zach Sanford just signed a couple-year deal for, uh, was it two and a half Three altogether, like, uh, something like that. One point two per season. Yeah, so three, something like that, or two fifty three, or, or two, two and a half, three, or two and a half. Yeah, uh, for the contract. We'll help you. Where where do you see him next year? Because he's a guy that I dig a lot, and I thought he and Barubi uh, got along very well. He was Barubi's kind of player, and then all of a sudden he sat for a while. Yeah, I think he, you know, he's still trying to figure out the consistency part of it in the NHL, and, and that's hard, especially when you're six four and you're expected to play a certain way. He didn't play that way for a long period of time, and he found himself in the press box. He came back in the playoffs, especially in the final, and played that way, and, man, what a difference. Yeah. He got the ice time. He had a presence out there. He was involved in the play. He was a difference maker. So I think that's what you're basing that contract off of, and I could see him sliding right back in there with O'Reilly and Perron to start next season. I mean, why would you change that? You'd have to look great at that. Hands. I think he's so calm and has great hands. When he has the puck, he does not freak out at all. No, he's got the skill. He's yeah. got the size. I think if he brings that that bite to his game consistently, uh, he'll be in you know the top nine. I uh, I read a report a couple days ago that Pat Maroon has a number of one year offers that are out on the table right now. He's looking for something you know maybe in the two to three year range. One, do you think it's realistic for him to? Do you think he could get two to three years? And I would assume for him to come back to the Blues, it would probably be another one-year deal. Yeah, I mean, unless he's willing to drop, um, you know, his price tag. He one point seven five. We know he took a bit of a haircut to be a part of that team last year, and turned out to be a fantastic decision for right. both the team and the player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but moving forward, I think with the restricted free agents, like we can't forget here that the Blues still have Binnington to get signed, Joel Edmondson to sign, and they still have Barbashev, Ranky, Fabry. Well, it, whether you think those are going to be big contracts or not, you got to get them done. And you also have Oscar Sundquist that's sitting out there. So you got a lot of bodies that yeah. you have to, you have to take care of those away. guys. That all chips away. That's right. No so matter how small the salary is. What it does is it puts Pat Maroon in a holding pattern for both the Blues and Pat Maroon if he wants to come back to St. Louis because they're like, well, we don't know how much money we'll have, so I can't just go give you you know, X amount of dollars and then all of a sudden I run out of money for my restricted free agent. So that means he's not the priority for, for the team. Not, well, not right now, he, and he can't be, Jeff. And the only reason I say that is because he, he is a 30-year-old player. He is, you know, I don't want to say the end of his career, but he's a one-year deal type player. Mm-hmm. He's not your future. Mm-hmm. Right, and I love Pat Maroon. He's a great friend of mine. Love the family. Big, big Pat Maroon fan. Big Rig is my guy. But if you're looking at Oscar Sundquist or Barbashev right now, and you have to decide, do I take one of these guys already? I signed Pat Maroon for a one-year deal. Well, you ha- the decision's easy, right? Because yeah. you have yeah. to think about the future. We talked about how it could be depleted in a couple of years. Well, you have to have guys who can carry the torch 
And that's going to be those guys. Unfortunately, it won't be Pat Maroon in two years that's carrying the torch. You know, one player, man, that I I have wanted to ask you about this since the season season ended. Where does Robbie Fabry go from here? And, and, and is he a blue next year, do you think? I don't think he is, personally. Now, you know, I, I could be wrong. I've been wrong like once before in my life. <laughs> um, but is I'll that ju- doing this podcast with us? It was the day I met Jeff Burton. Um, <laughs> hey, you're the one who swiped right. <laughs> you're right. But I was in England. It was backwards. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, Robbie Fabry could be an interesting bargaining chip. Uh, moving forward, you, you qualify him, but you don't want to lose his rights for nothing. You've invested time and money into this player, and you don't just let him walk. So Doug Armstrong very intelligently qualified him, which is under a million dollars, to keep his rights. And now he's got to decide, do I assign this guy again, which I could probably get him around a million, maybe a little less, because he doesn't. not like Robbie Fabry has a lot of leverage mm-hmm. in this situation. Or do I package him as part of a deal? Because, you know, a team like Carolina, a team like Ottawa, a team like the Islanders, these are teams that, you know, the Oilers maybe that are looking for, uh, you know, a little project to recapture a guy's career. Maybe at the price tag, you're like, yeah, you know what? If Robbie Fabry gets me 15 goals, it's worth the million dollars. So, and then the Jake Allen question, of course. Right. Jake Allen, in my opinion, will be here to start the season. He will be the other goalie, not the backup goalie. We're not going to focus on the words backup because of the money. People go nuts on that. But if you are going to move a Jake Allen, if maybe you put Robbie Fabry in the deal, and now you spiced it up for a team to take on that contract of Jake Allen. But but realistically, someone taking on Allen's deal at this point is very – the chances of that are pretty slim, right? Well, listen, you say that, but everybody now around the league is following the model of the 1A, 1B goalie. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at Chicago, they've got like $10 or more invested in their two goalies. Now, we've talked about this before where there's like a $7 million – the unwritten rule, $7 million ceiling for your tandem. The Mm -hmm. GMs try to abide by that because they associate a certain dollar amount – with each position in order to fall into the salary cap properly. Uh, if you do it individual to individual, it can get kind of messy. So you try to, you know, number it. So $7 million is what you'd like to spend ultimately for two goalies. And if you look at the last four Stanley Cup champions, Pittsburgh Penguins had uh, Matt Murray and Mark andre Fleury mm-hmm. as a tandem. Then you had uh, Grubauer and Holpe in Washington that mm-hmm. were 1A, 1B. And then this year, Bennington and Jake Allen. So... The formula is kind of there, and most GMs are looking at that going, wow, we need a two-goalie system. Carolina has uh, re-signed Peter Morazic and ch- uh, traded for James Reimer from the Florida Panthers. Both are $3 million goalies. You know, So it's not like there's a backup anymore. Mm-hmm. Where you say, yes, I guess the guy that gets less starts, but I think the quicker we just focus on the fact that Jake Allen is going to be the other goalie and not so much he's a $4.3 million backup goalie, the easier it is to wrap our brains around that. And if I'm Doug Armstrong and Jake Allen wants to leave, and he's like, I want to be a number one, well, okay, Jake, it's pretty easy. Go out there and play so damn good that my phone doesn't stop ringing. Right. Make my job easy by earning it. And then if you do that, you'll get your number one spot. I'll trade you. I'll get something in return. It'll make the St. Louis Blues better. But until then, Jake, St. Louis Blues are better with you as the other goalie playing 25 to 30 games. I just see no sense in, in I mean, it, 
I mean, if you get a deal, you get a deal, but I don't think you force anything. No, because I think there Moses, are worse, worse case well, what's scenarios your backup to plan? have. You right. want Vili Husso to be your backup exactly. goalie? He's your future. Most right. of the people who want him gone are just upset. That's it. Right, that are, that get are, over it. Right. And let's think of some positives about having the man here. During the playoffs, from what I understand, he, he mimicked the other team's starting goalie. Yeah, that's that, actually, that you know was, what? That came from him, from what I understand. And he was like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. That's what a teammate does. Team player. A couple things on that, and you're, you're, you're bang on here, is one, he, he never was a problem in the locker room. He was never a, a distraction while he took his demotion, let's say, and Bennington was you know in the spotlight. Never once a distraction. He was so much a team player that, like you said, Jeff, he went in and studied the opposing goalies, weaknesses, and would mimic the way they played in practice so Dude. the players would shoot on him and be able to – you know, in you know stressful situations, shoot the puck where they need to to expose the opposing goalie, which we saw them pick apart almost every goalie in the playoffs. Yeah, sure did. And so surgically, by, almost man. But by doing that, Jake Allen is actually making himself a worse goalie because he's applying bad habits to his game. So it's personal sacrifice. Because oh, if you throw man, him, if yeah. you throw him in the pipes after he's emulating all these guys and trying to do all these things that maybe aren't great. Like, it's just habits. Because he's not playing his, his That's own right. style. Yeah. His muscle memory is off now. Correct. So and now Jake Allen's going to have to go back to the drawing board in the offseason and get Jake Allen's game back on track. Now yeah. I feel so bad. Now I feel so bad for ever saying a bad word about him. Right. Mr. <laughs> Allen, Mr. <laughs> Allen, I apologize. No, I and, just would get frustrated. That, yeah. that was it more than anything else. I never yeah, frustration. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Frustration. And the other thing that I want to uh, say about our other goalie before we move on is that I was super happy about the fans and the St. Louisans not giving him anything besides positivity at the parade. Because I was concerned about that with Jake Allen. I really was. And it was nothing but standing ovation, rounds of applause, go you, all of that. I think we were so out of our minds that it actually <laughs> happened. I, I mean, like, I, I'm trying to think of an anti-St. Louis guy that I think we would just embrace that right, day just yeah. because we were there and drunk. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, like, As a guy in a blues jersey, <laughs> yeah! I love you, man! So uh, um, You're right, though. I mean, it was nice to see that. Really and well. look at Jake Allen deserves a ton of credit because there were some big games that he had to play in coming down the stretch where you had to rest Bennington on the road. And Jake yeah. had some big games. You look at his numbers. If you look at Jake Allen's numbers, following Jordan Bennington kind of being declared the number one, his numbers are sensational. Yeah. So you, what are you going to say negative about the guy? Now, I don't know. I think I still think he's got a lot to give. Uh, is he a number one right now as it sits? No, he's not. But could he potentially get back to that kind of play? I think so. Yeah. We've seen it before from Jake. I think what's so crazy to me, Jeff, before before we move on with the goaltender situation, with how mental it seems to be. I mean, not. I mean, obviously you have to have the skill and all those sorts of things. But man, it's if it seems like you are not locked in the way you need to be locked in mentally, it well, doesn't matter how good fundamentally. As a you former are. player, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the mental side of it can get off if you have some non-success. Because you're standing there by yourself in your own head for so much of the game. Yeah. Jamie and everybody else is down at the other end of the ice trying to score, and here's Jake sitting there in a the goal thinking, thinking about, about the last goal that he let in or thinking about the guy heckling him right now because there's nothing going on around him right now. He's just sitting there by himself. That's got to be tough. Yeah, I've never been the goalie, uh, but I can tell you from a player's standpoint that even when things are going bad and even if you're sitting on the bench, yeah, you do feel like you're alone. You feel yeah. like, does everybody hate me? You feel like all this stuff, right, even though you're still in the mix, but it's like it gets multiplied by a 1,000 in your own head. 
And, you know, you feel insecure, like, oh, my God, those guys are over there. They're talking, and they looked and laughed at well, they looked at me. Are they talking about me? Did they think I sucked? Did they think right. I should be sent down? Should I be traded? You know. What was their reaction when I let that goal in? The coach you know, hasn't said stuff. hi to me in two days. Right. Like yeah. it's like what's going on? Like it's amazing the inventory you start to take. You get in your own head, and that's the one thing I learned over the years is, dude, just every time your your skates touch the ice, that's what you can control. Right. Go out and work your hardest, and that's it. If the coach doesn't open the door for you to go out there and play, figure out why he's not doing it, and get back to work. Right. Don't let all this other stuff in. That's all you can do, but that's like a maturation thing. Oh, you it know takes what I'm time. Saying? Yeah, absolutely. It took me like 10 years to figure that out. Yeah. So, All right, so the uh, uh, the free agents obviously are still out there. And when we first got together, I was I was saying to Jamie, how come they haven't signed this guy? How, how come they haven't signed that guy? So we have a list of what I believe are the unrestricted free agents out there. And tell me, as a hockey fan, why number four on this list is Ryan Dezingle. Is that how you say it? Right? Yeah, Ryan Dezingle. So he's from uh, 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 Columbus, left wing. So if, if let's say we lose Pat Maroon, we need a forward. This guy is, according to this, he's 27 years old, 56 points last year, 26 goals, $1.8 million. Why is he still out there as the number four free agent. Well, one, he's not going to want $1.8 million. Correct. Sure, yeah. According to what I'm hearing, he's wanting a three, four, five million dollar deal. Oh, boy. Okay. And, you know, the one thing that's interesting with that is when you look at the numbers, you're like, oh, yeah, look at this guy. Look at the points he had. Well, he had 20 goals in Ottawa before he got traded, and he had four goals mm. in Columbus. And then he was a healthy scratch coming down the stretch. He oh, was boy. barely played in the playoffs. And, and so you sit there and you wonder, well, yeah, maybe that 20 goals in Ottawa was just kind of a a fluke or he was in the right situation or he was playing in the top three because Ottawa was so terrible sure. at the time and he just got more ice time. There's some red flags surrounding that player. He's a hell of a player, don't get me wrong, but is he a three, four, five million dollar player and is he a guy you're going to bank on or put yourself up against a salary cap and risk it? No, he's not that guy. So you got Armstrong's checkbook. What do you do? Well, that yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly what I was going to ask. I mean, I don't who, sign him. Okay, it, it, who do you sign? Yeah, what okay. moves do you make? Or well, you got to get your restricted free agents put to bed, guys. Right. You know, we've got guys yeah, who are coming point. up yeah. for. This is what you said earlier. Yeah. You, you got to. That's that's. If so you're not at, even looking at this yet. I'm not. I don't even care about that, to be honest, because the player that I'm going to need following all my restricted free agent stuff is not a top six, top nine forward. It's not. Look at the defense. We've got all 7D back. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to – you don't need anybody there. You don't need a goalie. We just talked about that. Right. You don't need a top nine forward at all. Once you get all these guys signed, you don't need a top nine forward. So you need a fourth liner. Why would you spend $2 million on a fourth God liner? Damn it. It's like Dad is explaining how to <laughs> cut the grass. In it really is. It's like Dad goes out there and says, you trim first. Therefore, you know you can go around with the lawnmower and all the edges are already done and everything, and you better empty the bag, too, when you're done. What, what's the time frame here? What's the time frame on these re- restricted free agent signings? Uh, a couple of them don't have a time frame. Like, Barbashev does not have arbitration rights this year, so basically they're going to just go back and forth. And he'll be a wait-and-see process because that's what Army's going to tell his agent is, look, we've got arbitration with Bennington. We've got arbitration with Sunquist, We've got arbitration with Joel Edmondson. We don't know where we're going to fall with that. If we lose our arbitration case and if they're asking for the bank, we may not have a lot left. Mm-hmm. So it may be a, a one-year deal for you or a two-year deal, a bridge deal, whatever you want to ta- call it, and you say, hey, Barbie, look, you got to play for a million dollars next year. Uh, that's all we can afford. And then, you know, year two, we can give you $3 million. Something so, like, like you mm-hmm. said before, make me open the make me open the door for you to get out on the ice. Show us in this one year that you 
are, are deserving of three million dollars. Yeah. While you're playing for one million dollars. And I, I would I would say that that's accurate, especially with a guy like Barbashev, because yeah, he had a good second half to last year, as did a lot of players. Mm-hmm. But the playoffs was kind of his coming out party with Sunquist and with Steen. And you wonder, just the same as Bennington, as, as amazing as he was, it's still a small body of work where you're a regular in, in the lineup where Bennington's a number one goalie. Can he do that for 50 games in a right. regular season? Can he repeat in the playoffs again? Can he give you that for a long period of time? I don't know yet. Uh, we'd like to think he can. But same with Barbashev is, can he play that role, that physical grinding role? Can he do that for 82 games? Or is he only going to be able to do that for 35 like he mm-hmm. did? So it's the question marks there that you have to evaluate what they're worth. And will he be sober by the time training camp <laughs> I don't care. That's forgivable. Dude got after it, didn't he? <laughs> he did. He fell cow. out of the truck. Yeah. I saw that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Th- that oh, and man. the Zach Sanford throwing okay. up in the cars. Let's Nobody address heard that. about that. You shouldn't have brought that up. Nobody heard about no, that. Let's address that, okay? Because Zach Sanford, for those who didn't see it, he puked in the car on the driver. Uh-huh. And whoever else was in the car with him, yeah. he tried to give it the old block there with like the two finger block, yep. on them, and it didn't. It that just never works in the nope. history of came out the sides, and then he gave up, and it just came out everywhere. One, that's legendary status. In Jamie <laughs> really Rivers' is. book, yeah. I'm like that guy's a legend right now. <laughs> what would have been better is if he just stood up, embraced it, puked out the side <laughs> of the car while staring at the fans, wiped his mouth with his jersey, grabbed a beer, and crushed it. Yeah, <laughs> and said, I can do that. I'm a champion. Now yeah. that's Brett Holstead. There was a time we threw out a wellness check on Brett Hall. I'm just saying. We did. I, I'm just saying. There was a, right in front of me and at the parade, uh, Colton Pareko stopped, stood on top of a truck. Oh, my God, right? Chugged a beer. And then threw it out in the crowd, and I have never screamed so loud for anything in my entire life. Like in my entire Even life, when it was you saw one of the a snake or things. something, right? right. Yeah. How about that guy? That. What a wolf in sheep's clothing Dude. he was, right? right? <laughs> this quiet country boy, big mountain man. And then he wins a Stanley Cup, and he's like, yeah. yeah it was like he ripped skin off yeah. and came out of he himself. He unzipped his skin. Yeah. And I was jumped watching out. him at the parade, and I wish I had a ten-year contract in my hand. I would have said, I don't want you to go anywhere. Yeah, he's got Love some iconic pictures too from yeah. this whole run. He was, you know, standing in the middle of the street, Marcus Ray holding the cup over, staring at all the fans, yeah. and like it's just, a, and on top of the truck, you know, with the arms out, and he's right. like, love people it. are like, look at this animal. I love yeah. it, man. I love so, it. I love so it. Great. Here, here, here is it. This has been our longest last minute blues podcast ever, mm-hmm. and uh, I gotta say, I got, I think this might be our best one, boys. I think so too. It's yeah. been pretty damn good. Yeah, there's think a couple of things Je- I said I gotta edit Jeff out. Jeff sober, so that helps. <laughs> <laughs> at least I think he, he is. is. That helps a lot. <laughs> Jeff who? So <laughs> we will uh, we will do this again. It's the last minute blues podcast. Before you, before, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry to cut you off, no, but I just I want a prediction from you, Pat. Oh, Blue yeah. next year or not? Um, as much as I want him to be, I don't think he will be a St. Louis Blue next year, and I think it's just going to be circumstances to where he can no longer wait any longer for the Blues to offer him the deal or to come at him with a price tag. He's got to think about himself, his family, and I think there's a deal to be had out there in, in the NHL for Pat Maroon, and I think he signs it. Donnie has mentioned that there's a ha- he thinks he's heard there's a handful of one years sitting out there, and I'm sure Guaranteed. that's true. Does he have a ballpark in his mind that he knows where the Blues are monetarily? Well, or not? I, and where knows. are those teams at monetarily, you think? Uh, well, that's a tough one because okay. I don't really know who okay. is all involved in the mix. Sure. Uh, you can speculate and things like that. But, you know, I, I think Pat Maroon's a realistic player. I don't think he's looking at 4 or $5 million. I think he's probably looking at the $2 million range. Two and a half would probably be 
great for him. Uh, St. Louis Blues, it's a question mark. We don't know what they've got for money. Yeah. They haven't got these deals done. Right. If Joel Edmondson comes to the arbitration and wants $6 million a year and the Blues lose and they've banked on $4 million for Joel Edmondson, well, guess what? That's $2 million short now yeah, on the payroll. Yeah. yeah. So you gotta, you know, you got to wait and see. Ah, man. Man, you bring a St. Louis in and he wins the Stanley Cup and then you go, you just sit over in the corner. We'll be right with you. <laughs> but it's not like they're doing that on purpose. No, I know. You know. It's just that's the perception from the, a St. Louis fan standpoint. It's not the player right now and it's not the team. It's the, the circumstances involved right yeah. now that are putting the pause button on. And it may be on pause too long. For that player to pass up other opportunities. But as the as the ex NHLer, you have to give us fans from St. Louis a little bit of leeway, knowing that here's a St. Louis guy that came in and he won a Stanley Cup, which we've been waiting forever for, and we're all going, "Oh, how cool would this be to do this again next year?" Especially with the St. Louis, and that's why we get sentimental about it. Yeah, and I don't blame you. You know, and if this was the early 2000s or late 90s, it'd be no question. You know, there's no salary cap at that point. So right. you'd be like, ah, so what if we spend an extra $5 million on the budget? Hey, we're going for it again. Sure. Right. You know? Uh, but you can't do that yeah. anymore. It's just, right. it's, I just want dude to get paid. Yeah. You know same what I'm here, saying? Same I, I, I want dude he deserves to get, it, right? He, like, I, really I want does. dude to get yeah. paid. I, I want him to get paid and be in St. Louis, but I more just want him to get paid. You're right. I want him to get paid, but I just thought of this. I don't want him to be a Blackhawk. I, I, uh, I just. I, I don't think there's a risk of that all right. right now. I don't believe there is. What about um, a Predator? I don't believe that's a risk either. Uh, good. I do believe that the Western Conference is available to him. There's some teams that we mentioned earlier in the conversation that have been talking, I believe, to him, allegedly. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll see. You know, it's amazing how this works. And, and other teams are going through the same stuff as the Blues are, with restricted free agents, with arbitration, with all this stuff. And if teams lose a guy or somebody walks or the offer sheets that are thrown out there, if they lose a young guy, they may have to fill a void, and all of a sudden Pat Maroon ends up you know, on Team X, and you're like, well, I've never even heard of them. It's yeah. just because that's the game. way it happens. What a chess game. And I know what you're saying about the whole I don't want him to be a black hawk because when this guy left the Blues, everywhere you went, I was like, I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for you. Don't put a Blackhawks jersey on. I'm rooting for you. You know, that sort of I tried thing. to screw it up. I put a Red Wings jersey yeah. on. Oh, that and was that, that time, was tough that was enough, rough, dude. man. Sorry, that was tough. I always, and I said it every time, when you played the Blues, I hope you scored a hat trick but lost. Sorry, man. They, uh, we didn't lose when I was with the Red Wings. On a very, <coughs> very <Rarely> side note, <laughs> on the way out of here, I was at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit oh my week God, before last. Right? What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful building that that is. It's incredible. We didn't get to, to do much around on the inside, but I mean, just the, the outside of it, man, is just tremendous, man. I'll tell you tremendous. this, the Illich family, you know, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. And when Mr. Illich and Mr. I passed away, People found out things that he was doing in the community that nobody knew about, just secret squirreling his yeah. way through and taking care of people. And the, what he personally and his family has done for the downtown Detroit area is absolutely off the charts. And that arena being one of them, the uh, Comerica Park, yep. Comerica Park, however you say it, and you know all the local restaurants and bars and things that have opened up down there simply because Mr. Illich said, no, we're not moving the team out of Detroit because they could have went to Auburn Hills. They could have went to a number of places that would have built them a new rink. And he said, nah, -uh, no way. And he finally, unfortunately, he wasn't there for the unveiling of the building. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he got his wish, and that's yeah. been transformed. And it is a sight to see. Man, it's, it's, it's cool to let people know about that kind of stuff because most people don't know. The other end of it is I was in Chicago at the United Center. I upper decked every tour. <laughs> Screw those people. Jeff Burton, Even everybody. though they didn't have an upper deck. By the way, the J.B. Rivers info for today's podcast, he was a plus four for his career. All right, go ahead.
Very good. (laughs) Jamie Rivers, Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, Last Minute Blues Podcast. This is a fun one, boys. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.